Ladies and gentlemen, this is El Cochino, Tom Lawler, and I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that puts the lotion on its own skin, Lucha World. Bitchin'. Welcome, everyone, to Lucha World Podcast, episode 112. Fredo Esparza here, and this week we will recap Triple Mania 27 from this past Saturday and also um, look back at Jushin Thunder, Thunder Liger's farewell um, show in Arena, Mexico from July 19th. I think I did a podcast the week prior to that, so... I wanted to do something concerning the light. I, I kind of want to talk about the Liger show. Uh, we'll also talk about the upcoming PWG Battle of Los Angeles. That happens later in September. And it looks like it's going to be one of the more... Um, it's going to be very lucha, lucha-rific with so many guys coming in. A couple of guys debuting for the first time in PWG. So we'll talk about that. There's two more spots remaining, so... Um, there's still a possibility that there might be two more luchadors. I'm guessing that might, I don't know. It kind of seems like they might be done with seven. So we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but first, we will talk about Triple Mania. It just happened this past week on this past Saturday, August 3rd. I thought it was a really, uh, I would say it was, I would say it was a pretty good show. Not, um, I don't know if it was a great show, just a good show. I thought the main event was really good, surprisingly good, considering um, who was in the match. But I think it had a lot of smoke and mirrors um, that helped it. And actually, I think everybody expected that to be part of the whole match. A lot of um, a lot of weapons and blood and you know interference to make the match a little stronger. Um, I thought the most um, there were a couple of matches that were surprisingly good. Uh, a couple that you kind of expected to be good, and then there was like a match that I think everybody. <laughs> Obviously, there was also the the one match that everybody figured was going to be a, a bit of a train wreck. And then there was another one that everybody kind of assumed could go either way. And But it ended up being a pretty good show. Um, the production on the show is really good. Um, it aired on Twitch. If you're not um, sub- a subscriber, you could get, if you have an Amazon Prime account, you could get it as part of your Amazon Prime, um, the one free Twitch subscription you could get through that. Or you could actually just pay, I think it's like five bucks a month, and you could watch Triple Mania. It ended up being about five hours, a little over five hours. If you watch the pre-show, it was way past five five hours. I think it went about five and a half hours total. I think I started watching a little bit before the first match. Actually, I started watching right when it started, and then I turned it off, and then I checked on Twitter, and the Cubs fan uh, via his Lucha blog Twitter account mentioned the show was about to start and I think I start, I I got in right when they were introducing the guys for the pre-show match um, 
but the prediction itself was pretty good. There were I had a like a minor glitch at certain points during the show. I don't know if it was maybe just my internet because um, I didn't see other people mention it. But every so often, the 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 video feed would kind of like die out. It might be just something that happens with streaming services. At this point, I'm just beginning to think it's just streaming services that have that little glitch. And um, if it's not anything too bad, it nobody really complains about it. Early on, they actually had a an audio sync problem um, that they really fixed very quickly. Um, I watched the Spanish commentary, so the Spanish feed. I didn't watch the English one. I know they had a different person in. in who was a, a part of the commentary team teaming up with Matt Stryker. But, you know, honestly, it doesn't matter if you have Vampiro, Matt Stryker, you put them separate and you put in somebody who's reliable or dependent or pretty good. It's still, it's still not something I really want to listen to. And, you know, I know a lot of people kind of like aren't huge fans of um, Jose Manuel Guillen and, and Hugo Savin- Savinovich sometimes because they do sometimes scream a lot. Um, especially um, Hugo Savinovich, but I think Hugo, you kind of expect that out of. But um, Jose Manuel Guillen still calls the matches. Uh, he does scream when it's he's excited, something that's a little more natural. Uh, whereas I think Hugo's pretty much, you already know he's going to do a tangana and all these other, uh, whatever other phrases he has. I never watched Spanish commentary in WWE shows that he was on. And I I don't think he, I think he did um. The, the Puerto Rico I watched, he did the Engli- he did some English commentary, but it was never this. Um, it does get a little annoying after a while, but I, I, they're still a lot better than anything else they're going to have or anything they've had in the past. Um, so I didn't have a problem with that. The show opened, as I said, with the pre-show. Um, Arcangel Divino, Astrolux, and Dragon Bane beat Aramis, Ares, and Toxin. Um, it took me a while to figure out who Toxin was because I, I was expecting Latigo to be in that match um, for whatever reason since he's been on there a little more frequently. I think Toxin, I think he's been on a few shows but not recently, at least the ones that I've seen. Uh, but this was a pretty good match to start the show. Uh, it started off a little bit sloppy with Arcangel Divino and um, Astrolux kind of messing up a couple of spots early on. But um, they were okay afterwards and I mean you can't go wrong with these guys. You're your typical strong opening match for AAA with a lot of big high spots, a lot of big dives, guys coming up with really creative stuff, especially Aramis, who did that really cool um, spot where he was carrying two guys. And it, it, I mean, you just got to watch that because it was really cool. I think there's a, I think I linked to the, on the recent Lucha Report, um, the one with the Triple Mania results. I linked to the, to the, the GIF with that move specifically um, because it was really good um, just a really fun match Ares is really good Adam is the same I think all these guys I think all these guys have potential to be like stars of the future and in, in not in not just within AAA but working independent shows as soon as they get their visas resolved and you know whatever whatever the government the US government whatever their mood is when it comes to letting people like you know, travel into the United States. At some point, these guys got to be more frequently in the United States because they're really good, um, especially Aramis and Ares. I, Ares is here a lot, more, a lot more often, and I I think he's somebody that really needs to be on um, some of the bigger indie shows. If you're a U.S. indie promoter or, or somebody who, who, like, has the ear of an indie promoter, um, I would suggest you recommend Ares right now since he does work more frequently in the United States. Um, he's really good. Um, I think RMS at some point is going to be coming in. Dragon Bane's pretty good also. 
you know, like I said, all these guys really have a lot of talent. Really good opener. Uh, just a fun match to start the show. So then we get to the beginning of the actual show with the first match being the AAA mixed tag team match. Four-way. It's a four-way match for the AAA mixed tag team titles. And you had Lady Maravilla teaming up with Viano 3 Jr. against Nino Hamburguesa teaming up with Big Mommy. Of course, they're the champions defending the titles coming into this. Um, Sammy Guevara and Scarlett Bordeaux and Australian Suicide and Vanilla Vargas. A lot of people were kind of like not really as 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 high on this match. I just thought it was a pretty good match. I didn't think it was it was um I didn't think it was as bad as some people were making it out to be. I think there were some moments where you kind of like wonder what's going on with these people. I think Sammy. I don't know what it is about Sammy Guevara on the on the show sometimes, but sometimes it kind of. I think because he's playing up his character, uh, people just aren't as into him because he's playing the you know the the jerk. And uh, but I, I actually thought this was a, a, a good way to open the show. Uh, Lady Maravilla also kind of nearly died during this this show. Their scary moment where where Viano three Junior. And then we found out later on that Viano three Junior suffered a concussion. So maybe there was more to it than because uh, both of them were a little bit off. Um, but Lady Maravilla, uh, there was a spot where Viano three Junior tried to carry and flip her over onto I think it might have been Nino Hamburguesa, and but he couldn't correct get her properly and so she nearly landed like like she landed in a way where she looked like she was folding up doing a like a somersault and folding instead of like doing the full flip and um the good thing is that i mean if you've seen lady maravia you know she's very flexible when she rustles i think i've mentioned this like that's one of the things i find really weird about her when i see her rustle is that she's very flexible but um it worked for her in this because at least it saved it might have saved her life in that in that one spot um, they did a lot of dives in the match. The crowd was really into Nino, Nino Hamburguesa and Big Mommy as usual. Scarlett Bordeaux, you know, people like constantly like all they talk about is the looks. And I think, I, I mean, obviously she is very attractive, but I actually think she's pretty good in the ring. I, I don't think she's as, I think she's somebody that she's, she's reliable. I don't think she's like, I think everybody was expecting her to be horrible. She, I think she's perfectly good. I, I mean, in the, in matches, I I've not had a problem seeing her, like what she does in the ring. She's been perfectly fine. Um, the other good thing is that at least no no nobody in the crowd touched her, because um, the last thing we needed was um, another Twitter meltdown over you know a, a fan ringside grabbing her and how everybody just gets very worked up about that stuff. Um, that didn't happen in on this show. Um, Australian Suicide did a couple of cool dives. Um, there was one where he kind of nearly hit the, the, the side of the ring apron, but he he was fine. Um, I thought Vanilla, I think Vanilla might have been one, might have done something where she might have been, she might have got hurt. Uh, but, you know, overall, I thought this match was pretty good at one point, And then it just had this really bad finish. And of course, then we found out that Viano 3 Jr. might have suffered a concussion. Um, so... That kind of explains why it kind of that might have explained half of what was wrong with the match, the finish. But the other part was, you know, typical hijo de tirantes and the referee crap that they do. Um, so to close out the match, Lady Maravilla fakes an injury, a leg injury. So she's selling on the side, and Niño Hamburguesa. If you follow the storyline, Niño Hamburguesa is totally in love with her, so he checks on her. And while that's going on, Big Mommy does a plancha onto Viano 3 Jr., covers him for the pin. Um, I guess at that point, 
something was supposed to happen except Viano 3 Jr. kind of just didn't move and um, Big Mommy was pinning him. So then Niño Hamburguesa turns to look in, at their direction. Hijo de Tirantes is there. He sees that, that, that Big Mommy has Viano 3 Jr. pinned. Um, Lady Maravilla comes in, fouls, fouls Niño Hamburguesa and covers him for the pin. And at that point, you would think with Big Mommy pinning Viano 3 Jr. and Lady Maravilla pinning Niño Hamburguesa, you would think it would be a double pin. So, you know, I don't know how they would have done it. They probably would have just continued or would have ended in a draw or something like that. But what ended up happening was Hijo de Tirantes only counted the pin for um, Lady Maravilla and totally ignored the other one. Um, so it kind of it kind of messed up the finish. Um, Lady Maravilla and Viano 3 Jr. ended up winning the titles. They're the new AAA mix tag team champions, ending a pretty long run of um, Niño Hamburguesa and Big Mami as champions. Um, so, you know, we have new champions. The storyline kind of is not over with because Big Mommy after the match was very upset at Lady Maravilla for the way she's been treating and using Nino Hamburguesa and she vowed revenge. Um, so that feud is still going to go on. I think a lot of people just want it to end. Others are okay with it. Um, you know, there's mix, a mixed bag of all these stuff. I think a lot of um, fans who are getting into, um, triple a are kind of like they kind of want to see some progression into storylines uh what they don't realize is that they're there if there's like a love storyline in triple a the odds are this could be something that goes on for years um anybody who watched the early 2000s or mid to or like the 2004 2005 years you'll remember the whole how long that billy boy fabi apache grand apache angle went on for like i think three four years and they did add a lot of stuff but it was a really good storyline this one is actually pretty good, but I think people are just kind of a little worn out with it and they kind of want to see a little bit of, you know, something different. Uh, but I thought it was an I thought it was an okay match to open the the show, the the beginning of the show. It wasn't as good as the op the the pre-show match. Um after that they had a tribute video um uh, with a couple of I think Rey Mysterio Jr., um Conan, a couple of other people were talking about Paraguayo, then they showed Paraguayo. Joaquin Roldan, Antonio Peña, and Paco Alonso. CMLL is Paco Alonso. And they, um, I didn't catch that. And a lot of people that I, I talked to afterwards didn't catch that they were putting, inducting them into the Hall of Fame or re-inducting them into the Hall of Fame, um, the AAA Hall of Fame. And because a lot of people were like, oh, that's a classy move that, um, you know, AAA is recognizing Paco Alonso by adding him to that. But then once Mas Lucha sent out that tweet about how they were adding him to the Hall of Fame. I think a lot of people were, kind of just saw that as, you know, he's never been involved with um, AAA. And honestly, I think if you were going to add, if this wasn't, if this was not, if the intention wasn't to try to get Sofia Alonso to want to work with them, and they're probably going to say that it wasn't, because knowing some of the people that work for AAA, they're going to deny it. They would have, I mean, if that wasn't the case, they would have inducted Salvador Luteroth into their Hall of Fame, considering he's always been mentioned as the the man who brought Lucha Libre to Mexico. He's always given that credit for that. So you would think they would have had inducted him years ago and upset Paco Alonso and you know the rest of the family. But they didn't do that. They decided to do it at this point. And I kind of I kind of find that a little bit um, um, some a questionable thing to do. I thought that was a I, I that was the only thing I kind of thought. You know, they took something that was deemed classy and then it kind of it kind of changed to like something that had a, a different motives going to it. Um, after that, they um, Dorian Roldan and 
and Silver King's family, his two sons, and um, and Dr. Wagner Jr.'s, um, well, Galeno del Mal and, um, and Hijo de Dr. Wagner Jr., they came out uh, to induct Silver King into the AAA Hall of Fame. Uh, Well-deserved. I mean, he's, he was there for a lot of, a couple, several years on and off since, I think, 2008. So he's been there for a while. And, you know, he, he was a part of several storylines. And, you know, I think, I think he, and he's, he's a really good, he was a talented wrestler. So I think he deserved it. A good addition to their, their Hall of Fame. I mean, honestly, Hall of Fames, they're, I mean, I think everybody has a different opinion of Hall of Fame. Some people take it a little more seriously. Others don't take it as much. Uh, but, you know, it's a nice thing to do for the family and for um, for Silver King's memory. Uh, after that, we had a trio, a three-way trios match for the AAA World Trios titles. Um, these titles were, um, they mentioned, I think they mentioned on commentary that they were vacated by the Jinetes del Aire because... Um, it, for those of you who maybe haven't watched the TV or recent, um, or maybe haven't gone to their YouTube channel or read any of the news, um, La Parca uh, had a sit-down meeting with Loretto Kid, Hijo del Vikingo, and Mr. C's Jr. And on, in that segment, he um, he kind of felt that Loretto Kid had already surpassed them, and it was time surpassed being a trios wrestler. So he thought he should, and he was already becoming a superstar. So he kind of viewed him now that as at a higher level, and so he decided to move him. You know, he suggest he didn't move him. He suggested uh, that they should let him go and add Gil- Golden Magic into the Jinetes del Aire as the new member, and everyone agreed with him. And so, I guess at that point they decided that they would vacate the titles. I think they brought out the titles with them, uh, but they did vacate them. And in the match, Hijo el Vikingo, Mysticis Jr., and Golden Magic ended up beating. Poder del Norte, which is of course Tito Santana, the not the not the WWE guy, uh, Mocho Cota Jr., Carta Brava Jr. I don't even know why I said that about the WWE guy. I think people listening to this show should already know that. And Pimpin and the Exotico trio of Pimpinela, Maximo, and Mamba. Now going in, I thought this match had potentials being good if they would have got rid of the Exoticos, but they were still in there, and surprisingly. This match was really good. I actually thought this was the best match on the card. Honestly, just just thought it was really good. The new Jinetes del Aire and Poder del Norte were on on fire in this match, and I really thought the Exoticos brought their what the little what they didn't limit the other guys in what they did. And actually, Maximo did a little more than he usually does. Um, usually, Maximo has kind of been mailing it in. He's kind of become La Mas, like his um like La Mascara, where he just basically doesn't really do much in matches. He's more just the gimmick at this point. And so he ends up doing the... He actually had a really cool moonsault in the match also, and a tope, so um, they were just really good in this match. Hijo Vikingo, stellar as usual. And, you know, the other guys held their own in this. I think Poder de Nortes... I think that's the one thing that, um, that CMLL is missing right now. They don't have a trio like Poder de Norte underneath. Like you have your top trios that are working the semi-main and the main event, but then you need that other trio can, that can work the 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 you know the second, third, fourth match. They don't have that right now, and I think that's something they really should consider because um, if you've watched a lot of the lineups and even the shows that CML has, the Rudo side is so bad. I mean, they don't have like if Tiger isn't around, if Tiger, Virus, and you know 
I don't know who else they use for that. Um, there's a couple of other guys that they use. If those guys aren't around, um, it's basically Dark Magic, uh, Sagrado, Mysterioso Jr. Although Mysterioso Jr., I think can sometimes he could turn it on at points, but he's not really like he's not at, at that. He's not what he was a couple of years ago. He's a little older, so he's not he's not at that level. Okumura's in those matches, so you kind of have this big drop off in those matches and. I think that's something that they really should consider, bring, like finding a trio that they could actually, ele- or you know, elevate some guys that can actually work that style, uh, that can actually be good basis for the the high flying guys, um, instead of having these high flying guys go work the openers and have them like just work with Espanto Junior and Hijo del Signo and all those horrible guys. Um, but yeah, you know, this was a really good match. Um, I thought this was, like I said, I thought this was probably the best match on the card. Other people said the main event was a lot better. I think it's if if you're more of a if you're more of a blood if you're more into the blood and guts, you're gonna be into the the main event. Um, if you're more into the high flying and and this match actually had some chair shots and stuff like that, so it wasn't just a your um, your base your 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 traditional lucha match. Uh, but it was really it, I like I said I thought it was a really fun match. Uh, Really, really impressed by 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 Hijo Vikingo specifically and Poder del Norte as well. Um, after that, we had the horrible Copa Triple Mania. This, I don't know why Triple. I think if Triple A got rid of this match, and I know I feel bad because of all these guys that were in the match, they wouldn't have. I mean, they could have had some. They could have added them into something else because there's a couple of other guys they could have just gotten rid of and 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 done something different. But um, this match basically takes up. It didn't take as much time as that one with um, Jarrett from a few from I think the not. I don't think they did it last year. I think they did a previous year. Jarrett and all those guys were in that match. That I think that ended and I think that ended up lasting like an hour just because they had more people in that one than they had in this one. Um, this one they did have fewer people in the match. They had um, Eclipse Junior, Pagano, Chessman, Daga, Drago. Puma King, Averno, Superfly, Aerostar, Monster Clown, Murder Clown, Rey Scorpion, La Parca, and they also had Conan and Vampiro. Early in the earlier in the show, I should mention um, Conan came out and he said that he um, he was gonna he just came out and said he was gonna do something and I don't know he just he just riled up the crowd and then he came out for this match. Pagano ended up winning the Copa Triple Mania, but uh, one of the things that I didn't like about this was that. You couldn't see like the eliminations, so nobody had any idea what was going on. Also, the the pinfall or submission or, or or over the top rope. Sometimes you had a guy getting pinned, and then when somebody was getting um, thrown over the top, you didn't even see it because they were busy showing you the next guy coming in or or the guys on the side brawling, um, where whatever they were they were just missing. The camera guys were just missing a lot of stuff. Some of the highlights from this match: Aerostar actually um, came in. Uh, they actually came up came up with a, I think it was a cool entrance just because he came in from the from the rooftop and um, he was on like some weird contraption that brought him down and then he did a dive off of it, off of it that was like a twenty foot dro- dro- drop which I thought was fine, but it's like I also thought it was kind of like cor- like kind of corny just because I think everybody's kind of starting to get this to be the Aerostar thing where where he does this this big crazy dive out. On a on a on any show now because even like big shows it, it used to be just big shows but now he's doing it on on even like some of the TV tapings they do 
they're becoming less less impactful and um, honestly nobody even remembers them because something else happens on the show and everybody focuses on that stuff and on this show that's exactly what happened within a few like within this like the close the post match for this show everybody forgot about what Aerostar did and you know also what why do it on this show when you basically Aerostar fall jump doing a dive off of that off of the 20 foot drop or whatever it was uh why do it on this show when you basically have um, Kane Velasquez, you have the mass match, and then you have the the, the other surprises. You have the all, the AEW people involved on the show. Um, so it kind of like it ends up being the fifth or sixth big story on the show. So it kind of makes no sense to do it. You know, like like when Carvernario hits his plancha to the floor, usually you don't have anything else happening on, on the CMLL shows when he's doing it. Because when he does it, it's a big show. And he's doing the plancha to the floor, and it's usually during a big match for him. It's like a singles match, so it's usually one of the featured matches on the show. Um, so when Aerostar did this, it was kind of silly. Conan making making his um, appearance was hilarious. He wore a Trump T-shirt that Microman Fever said looked like Hitler. Um, I, at first, I was like, I didn't. At, at first, I was kind of not sure about that, but then when I saw the picture of it, he was pr- he was pretty right on it on it just because. Um, if you see it from far away, it kind of because it's not. It basically was just a like a. It wasn't. It was just a black a black and white type of thing. So you really couldn't see the 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 drawing of it till you saw the close up of it. So I could see why he kind of thought it it looked like Hitler and ended up being Trump. And Conan basically as soon as he showed up into the ring earlier in the show, he couldn't walk down the stairs of the entrance. So this time he came in from the side of the of the of the ring entrance. And he climbed up onto the, the the top rope, sat there, and he actually drank a beer while he was watching everybody. I think he was directing the action in the on the in the match. And then Vampiro came out, and you know everybody was talking about how Vampiro is dealing with um, early onset. I think he's early onset Alzheimer's and um, and Parkinson's and whatever other stuff. I think he has arthri- arthritis. He had. He said, I think he said he had a heart attack years ago or something or stuff, a bunch of different um, illnesses that he's dealing with. But he came out and did his spots. Um, it's funny because I saw some of the reaction to it in um, in Spanish, the people who were covering the show. And they were talking about how, yeah, you know, he's, he said he's dealing with all these illnesses, but he's not. He thinks this the, uh, wrestling, wrestling will help um, cure these illnesses. Uh, no, it won't. I don't understand who even thinks that who is like who's even reporting that and thinks that's even like possible but you know it's it's vampiro so you know the odds of it ending that that way that it he somehow cures himself it wouldn't shock me just because that's the way you know you never know what vampiro's uh what he's trying to say what direction he's going with uh, what he's angling with i would not be surprised if suddenly he's cured because of his of all his um you know he's back in the in wrestling and and it's and it's cured him uh you you never know with vampiro um very very um interesting individual um everybody else, i thought this match was pretty much like you know nobody was really as into it uh ray scorpion came out uh, and i don't think I, I think even pagano didn't really that do that much the match itself you know once pagano beat chess man um, they brought out the trophy for him. Um, I was so distracted because there was one of the guys, I think the grip, the camera grip, the guy helping the camera guy, 
he looked like sexy chino uh for whatever reason he looked like sexy chino um he's a local los angeles wrestler for those who don't know who he is and um you can look him up on 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 um on google he just writes sexy chino wrestler um you see what i mean um it just really confused it, it, it kind of just distracted me but um pagano ends up winning the copa triple mania they give him the trophy lights go out they play the the tv static on the on the screens and they at, at first i thought man maybe it's jericho coming in to uh to save us from copa triple mania but um i knew jericho i think was in city of industry um earlier in the day so he definitely wasn't going to be able to make it to monterey uh wherever the, in, in to mexico city so um lights turn on la park is in the ring la park and his sons hijo de la park and la park jr and they start to beat on Pagano. Um, LA Park grabs Pagano's the the Copa Triple Mania trophy and destroys it. I think they were trying to remake the Paraguayo Junior um, attack on Hijo Santo from um, from when Hijo Santo won. I think it was the Leyenda Plata um, several years ago. I think they were trying to remake that. And um, the crowd really was into this. They were actually booing LA Park, and then LA Park cut a promo ripping on everyone. On Pagano, on AAA, on Maricela Pena, on the fans, um, cursed a lot. Everything he doesn't get to do in um, in CMLL, he got to do here. And then he challenged Pagano to a mask versus hair match. And um, he, he continued to beat on him. And that's, I think, how it ended. There, I don't think Pagano answered, or I think he might. I don't, I don't think he actually had a chance to answer because he was beaten up. So... That's the big return for LA Park to AAA. And that's, I think a lot of people, there was a, some people who weren't expecting that. I think with LA Park, you never say ne- that never as far as where he's going to be. Because it. I actually thought when he showed up that he might end up being the, the surprise wrestler in the in the Kane match, the, the Kane Velasquez match later on the night. But no, he was just basically just there for this. And I think that really was a big... Um, that that pretty much overshadowed Aerostar's dive. Um, so, you know, that that was interesting. Um, will be interesting to see if he comes back to um, CMLL. I'm guessing that's not going to be an issue because they did that last year with um, him working um, both promotions. So, I mean, I think if that means Alley Park's going to be, has a shot at being on all three TV. Um, in this year, I think he's been, he's going to end up being on all three TV networks and um, th- at least three TV networks and, in Mexico with um, Televisa, Azteca, and Imagen TV. So maybe, I think he's probably been in a few others too. So um, after that, we had the women's TLC match. Uh, Tessa Blanchard beat Taya, Lady Shani, Fabia Apache, Chica Tormenta, La Yedra, and the returning Ayako Hamada. Um, Prior to the match, Kira um, showed up in a wheelchair and announced that she would not be able to wrestle because of an injury. She was then attacked by Chica Tormenta. Knocked her off her wheelchair. And as that was happening, that's when they announced Ayako Hamada. Um, I thought this match was... I was... I don't know. I wasn't expecting much from this match. And I thought the match really wasn't that... I don't. I don't know. I didn't think it was... Like, to me, I thought it was an okay match. But it could have been way better. I think if you're going to have a TLC match, they should at least use a little more of the TLC. Um, other than Ayako Hamada, who whenever she's in these matches, 
Actually, the thing I didn't really, I don't really like about this, the TLC matches, is that if you're putting a belt or a title or whatever you want to call it up for people to go and out and reach from a ladder, there should be more effort in used in doing that rather than everybody brawling outside the ring and doing all these other things. There should always be somebody trying to climb up a ladder at all times, unless everybody's completely knocked out and you know somebody does a crazy tope suicida, you know they do the the train, you know the train dives and all that. It's understandable that everybody's out, but for the most part, I think at all points in time there should be a little bit more of a focus and everybody trying to climb up the the ladder to grab the belt. Um, also, I thought the camera um, the camera crew really did a didn't catch a lot of they didn't catch the finish actually they just they panned out to the the, the women brawling and then they came back and Ty, Tessa Blanchard was holding the 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 triple A Reina the Reina title that had just been vacated. Um, I think more most of the focus in this match was really uh, Chica Tormenta's um, fall you know the 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 dive she did to the outside or the drop as I said. Uh, she, she actually before that, Taya actually brought out a staple gun, and she stapled a picture of herself onto Chica Tormenta. That I thought was, that was probably the best part in this match. Um, I thought that was funny. Uh, I don't know if it should be funny when you're watching something like that. Shouldn't be, shouldn't be comedic. I don't think that was the intention, but you know, I took it that way. And then later on, Chica Tormenta, as I said, she was climbing up on the, onto the top rope. I think she was gonna go through a. I think she had Taya or somebody on a on a ladder and she was going to do a dive onto her. And for whatever reason, she the, the girl on the on the ladder moved out of the way, which was going to happen. And then Chica Tormenta was supposed to go through the ladder, only she didn't do that. She ended up just grazing her arm on the ladder and going, you know, she just fell onto the floor. Um, it looked horrible. They had paramedics come out right away to check on her. Um, horrible, horrible um drop and it kind of i think that kind of took the the wind out of the match and kind of distracted everyone from you know i think from watching the match to being more concerned on on how how chica tormenta was doing she later on she we found out she was okay um, she tweeted out that she was doing fine uh, but still it was a nasty spill to the floor uh, i i i kind of think tessa blanchard's pretty good in the ring so um but you know like i said i think i i said this in on lucha talk when we did the the reaction show I do kind of feel that they shouldn't have done TLC with these women. I think they should have just done a Torneo Cibernetico or something or an elimination match just because I don't, I don't think this, you know, you've had a lot of these women kind of like you're starting to build them up into something like the divisions. What has it been? Maybe the last year has really been when it's kind of moved, you know, it's kind of picked up in the last year. And instead of like it being more focused in just wrestling, it kind of doing, um, doing this type of gimmick match, um, I kind of think it wasn't the right time to do it on this show. It kind of just, it just didn't feel good. It, like it didn't come across well. Um, they probably should have done, if they would have done something a little more, just, you know, a, 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 an elimination match. Um, you had Lady Shawnee the past couple of shows where she's really kind of like been working more of um, doing a little more um, technical wrestling and being a little more of a, a, a submission hold type of wrestler. I think she could have done a little bit better in this match. She didn't get to do that stuff. Um, I don't know. It just kind of, it just didn't have much for me. The, the other highlight in the match was um, La Yedra getting, I think she got DDT'd or suplexed onto like a bunch of thumbtacks uh, on the ring entrance. And I thought that was like a, a, an interesting spot. But 
you know, I kind of would have preferred something a little just more um, without the, the TLC aspect of the match. Um, after that, we got to the, the final three big matches, which were really the matches that everybody wanted to see. Um, the sixth match was Kane Velasquez, Cody Rhodes, and Psycho Clown beating Taurus, Tejano Jr., and the surprise luchador, which was probably the least surprising surprise luchador of all time, Killer Cross. Um, I think everybody kind of just expected it to be him. Um, I don't know if they, I think AAA was probably holding out hope that they could find somebody else to be the, the luchador sorpresa and had Killer Cross kind of be just like the, like the backup plan. If that wasn't the intention and they were basically all the time going to get Killer Cross in this match, they probably should have just announced Killer Cross and they could have done like videos with him, you know, talking about what he was going to do to Kane Velasquez on the show. Um, it would have made a little bit more sense for that. I thought the match was okay. I didn't. I, I think it served its purpose. It kind of they they showed you Kane Velasquez and what he could do in the ring, and he actually was pretty good in the ring. I think the only thing I didn't like was that he wore a mask, and it kind of like if you're gonna have like the media kind of like be involved and put a lot of focus in this match, I think you could have like I think it would have been better if he was unmasked, and. Like not, he could have worn the mask perfectly fine, or maybe even wrestled a little bit of the match with the mask. But he should have taken it off, and I think it would have led to like a little bit more of a, a little more exposure, exposure not just for him, for the other guys. I think, I think it it probably would have added a little more interest to the match from the mainstream media. Uh, but I, you know, I thought he did good. He did very well. You could tell he the early stuff he the early stuff he did were like stuff that if you watched his um, training with Psycho Clown, you kind of knew he was already like, that was something he was going to add into the match. Uh, I thought having him go against Taurus and Tejano more, more within in the ring, in the ring when he was actually wrestling, that was actually the be- the best way to use him and to get him, you know, more, um, more, more of a, you know, an easier go of his debut match. Cause I think, I think if he would have been in there with Cross, I don't know. I think that his involvement with Cross was mostly outside the ring when they were brawling or whenever they would brawl, it was more him and Cross. Whereas when he was trying to do stuff like Lucha, more Lucha, it was always with Tejano Jr. or um, Torres. Cody Rhodes, I don't really think he added much to the match um, other than that he did a really cool dive that uh, Tope Suicida to the outside that Torres totally, um, Torres was like a little bit, like if he would have just gone, like any other guy would probably would have just like said, oh, he hit me with a tope and he would have just landed wherever he was. Taurus, when he took the tope, he actually like, like, like he like flew over the guardrail just to make it like add a little more of a, you know, whoa, this is a cool dive. And uh, look at what he did to Taurus. And I, I thought that, I thought that was him trying to make sure he could, he's, he gets on the AEW uh, radar and I'm sure he's already on it. Um, Cause he's really good. Um, like I said, I thought there was a. I, I don't think we got a lot of Psycho Clown either in this match, other than the belt, you know, using the belt. But um, you know, I thought it was an okay match. It wasn't anything that that I I, I think I think it it served its purpose because the fans were really into it, and you know, Kane was there and he gets some recognition and and um, it gets some attention. I think there's already interest in Kane as far as um post. Triple Mania, as far as him being more involved in wrestling, he already said that he plans on being on two more shows for Triple A, which everybody assumes is going to be the the Madison Square Garden show and the 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 Forum show in Los Angeles. So um, that should be something 
interesting to see what happens with him as far as those shows and then beyond that because i do think there might be some interest in in him from if he does consider getting more into wrestling i think there would be some interest as far as aew or ww or other promotions because i do think he showed he showed enough of a he showed enough of a, a skill level that should be able f- to like he's not he's not horrible in the ring he's actually pretty he looks like he's pretty good plus he didn't i also think a lot of people were talking about how he didn't try to be an mma guy in a wrestling ring um but people also have to remember he was in a lucha libre show he was trained by lucha people for this match so with the focus of him being in a lucha match so i think that also helped i'm sure like if he was to go to aw or ww or something like that the, the people that were training him would probably like you know switch it up a bit and not actually like he would probably change some of that stuff although you know he did say he loves he really enjoys lucha libre so maybe he would he would always want to have that an element from that in his in, in what he does in the ring um, i do think he'd actually have a good a good um shot of being a, a good a good wrestler i don't know how big a star he would be um but he would come in coming in as a a, a ufc guy he would obviously be already a guy who's obviously a headliner, a headliner, a main eventer. Um, so, like I said, it did get it did serve its purpose. The seventh match was Pentagon Junior, Phoenix, and Loretto Kid beating Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. This match I thought was disappointing. I think uh, I don't think it was as good as it could have been. It wasn't bad. I thought it was good, but I was expecting like. Everybody was raving about the AEW match that they had. And I thought, you know, maybe this would actually be at that level. But for whatever reason, we always get this with um, AAA. The guys, when they work outside of Mexico, it's a lot better outside of Mexico than it is in Mexico for whatever reason. Even the CMLL guys, I will also say that. Um, any dream match that they, you think would be a dream match, you, they do it in the U.S. and it's like a lot better. And then they do it in Mexico, and people—it's it, not at the—it's not considered at the level of what they did in the U.S. or in Japan or any, anywhere else. I don't know if it's because the guys don't put in the—they're not putting in the the effort. I don't think it's that because these guys with Phoenix, uh, you never question the effort with those guys. But I do kind of—I—I don't know. Like with Kenny Omega, I kind of thought he didn't really seem as interested in this match. Um, he wasn't—he wasn't horrible. Like I won't say they were horrible. I just thought it wasn't that it wasn't at that level of, of what you would expect. And also, I think the crowd. Um, the other problem with this, with with what they're doing with the AEW guys, um, the crowd isn't reacting to these guys. It's like I think they're. I think when they book these guys, they're kind of just booking them in a way where it's like it's for the smart fans, and they're not booking them for the casual fans. And that's something that they gotta kind of like, maybe like switch it up a bit, because when you have like, like when you bring in American guys, like if you bring in a guy, like look at the guys that like the CML guys that have come in, when they come in and they're just like the a work rate guy, they're usually not they don't get the same reaction. But you bring in a guy who like does a you know a pro America character or Trump character, whatever they want you want to call it. They get over big time. They get a, a really strong reaction, even if they're not anywhere near as good as what the what Kenny Omega and the Young, young Bucks are. Um, but they still get a better reaction. Cody Rhodes is the same. 
Um, but I think Cody Rhodes, obviously being a fa- a baby face in the on the show, you know, that's a little different. Um, but you know, I think that's something that they should they should have they should have done a little more with, especially with the, you know, with the I think the young bucks they they could have they could have done they they they're they're more geared as as heels in, in Mexico. I think they could have done a little more. Um, Kenny, I'm not so sure about just because this would have been his first match, and I don't know if he's like somebody who's very familiar with lucha libre. I don't know. It just it he doesn't strike me as a guy who's really that familiar with it. I could be wrong, but it, it kind of like anybody like I think anybody who's familiar with lucha libre, and if you're a foreigner, American wrestler, you should already know going in. You're not, you're supposed to, if you're gonna go in and you're a heel, you got to play it up a little bit more and be more of a you know it's got to be more of a a nationalistic type of thing where you're gonna get these the Mexican crowd to root for the Mexicans. And um, I don't think they did like I don't think they did as and and boo you guys and they don't they didn't boo them as much. Um, they had like when they were on offense, the crowd was completely quiet, and I think that was really where you kind of noticed that they weren't really getting the the reaction that they wanted. Um, it was a good match though, um, just not what I expected. I I think I think the post match with Phoenix with Kenny Omega challenging Phoenix for the AAA World Mega Title I hope they actually do a little more by that point with Kenny as far as like maybe having him be a little bit more of a heel on the shows I don't know that's the other thing I think that's the other thing that a lot of like with people in wrestling now because everything's tele- uh, on on you know streaming services or you could see on YouTube I think like guys don't realize that you could be a, like in the old days like in the old territorial days or if you you know even going back to the 90s um you could get away with being a heel in one territory or one promotion and be a babyface in another one because there wasn't as much of um, there weren't as many people watching the there wasn't a cross section of people watching these shows like you know like like if if somebody was would show up in Mexico as a heel and was working like like Chris Jericho if Chris Jericho was a babyface in in Mexico and if he showed up somewhere else and was a heel it wasn't going to be like this you know, this shocking news or anything. Like even in Mexico when they were doing it, um, you used to have guys that would work heel in um, like in Monterey, but then they'd be a baby face in Arena, Mexico. So, you know, you could still, you used to be able to get away with it. I don't know if maybe now because everybody's, everybody, everything is on, on streaming services or on YouTube or people in their minds think, you know, on social media, they, they kind of think you can't get away with it. I think that's the, I think that they're kind of thinking we can't do this as easily as we used to. Um, also, I think that honestly, I think this. I think they. I kind of. I kind of wish they would have done something different with that match. I do think that they should have had Ijo Vikingo in that. I don't know. Maybe they could have done something di- different. But like I said, I think. I think AAA kind of wanted the. They they weren't gonna they weren't gonna say no to whatever AEW uh, suggested as far as as a match on this show. Um, and then we got to the main event. Which was Blue Demon Jr. beating Dr. Wagner Jr. in a mask versus hair match. And this was a bloodbath. Very early on, Dr. Wagner Jr. wore a mask. Um, this was actually a cool intro because they played a video building up, the, showing you the feud over that last year. And they had Wagner and, um, and Blue Demon Jr. on these, uh, on these like stands. Or on these things that were going to bring them down. I don't know what they're called, but um, they were on them and they were staring each other down as they were coming down and the video was playing. 
And then they brought out their families. Um, Blue Demon Jr. came out with his skinny son. And Dr. Wagner Jr. came out with um, all four of his relatives, which kind of, you know, the odds were clearly against Blue Demon Jr. But somehow Dr. Wagner Jr.'s family did not get involved, whereas um, Blue Demon Jr.'s skinny son was involved all the time. Um, but this was a really cool brawl. Um, it was. I wouldn't even say it was a brawl. It was more just a spectacle because you know the, they did brawl a little bit, but a lot of it was more about you know, you know certain spots and guys bleed and and they were bleeding and you know showing you the emotion and the blood and um, whatever weapon they were using, they would actually show you like the where you know the the setup of what they were using it for. Um, Blue Demon Junior found a hammer and started hitting um, hitting um, Doctor Wagner Junior's hands with it. Then um, to close the match, Doc, um, Blue Demon Jr.'s son tried to bring in a cinder block. Um, he couldn't get it in. Um, the referee stopped him, but somehow it ended up being in Blue Demon Jr.'s hand, and he ended up hands and he ended up using it on Doctor Wagner Jr. and and knocked him out. And that ended up being the result, the end of it. Really, um, and Blue Demon Jr. got the win. Really. Uh, a spectacle, more of a spectacle, spectacle, kind of like the Alley Park Rush um, matches, where you're not really sure if it's like a fight, like a, a great match, but more of like you're just in awe of what's happening, because uh, these guys bled a lot. Uh, Wag, like I said, Wagner Jr. wore the mask; he took it off on his own. I think he should have left it on and like bled a little more onto it, so he could have showed the visual would have been a lot cooler. Um, but you know, once he took it off, there was a lot of blood on him. Um, then they bandaged up. Oh, when he did, when he hit him with the cinder block. They bandaged um, the paramedics that came out and they bandaged up um, Dr. Wagner Jr. So everybody kind of wasn't sure if he's going to get his head shaved. Um, but no, he took off the bandages and, and you know, you had, uh, I think his son cut the, 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 the extensions off. I think they kind of put the, 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 the bandages on so that people wouldn't see that it was extensions. And then they finally called in the, the bar. They, they finally shaved off his ha the hair, his hair. Uh, I think each, I think all of his relatives shaved his head, and gave the hair to Blue Demon Junior. Um, Blue Demon Junior uh, celebrated and said that he had finally proven to Wagner that he was the he he was better than him, and Doctor Wagner Junior announced that he was retiring, and he was going to let the legacy continue on, and continue the the feud and with Blue Demon Junior and all of this was going on, um, so everybody just. You know, it ended up being a, a really strong finish. Um, Dr. Wagner Jr. retiring. The following day, Dr. Wagner Jr. said he wasn't retiring yet. It was going to take a year, a process of one year for him to retire. But you know, he's not going to retire. I mean, Alberto Patron said he was retiring, I think, three years ago. He's still wrestling. Um, so, you know, nobody, whenever somebody says they're retiring, other than, you know, a handful of guys and Liger's probably going to end up being in that group of guys who, who does retire. Um, uh, they usually don't retire and I don't think Wagner's going to retire anytime soon. Um, he just kind of said that just to build up the whole thing. Uh, so that was triple mania. I thought it was a good show. Like I said, there were, I would say if you're going to watch something, I would highly recommend watching the mass versus hair match, the main event. I would probably watch the Cain Velasquez match just because I think it was something, you know, it was actually, I like I said, it was an okay match. And then I would probably definitely recommend the the, the three-way um, trios match for the for the AAA World Tag um, Trios titles. 
and I would recommend watching the open the the pre-show match. Those would probably be the four matches I would definitely recommend. Uh, I'm trying to see what else I, I might have. No, that those would be at the four matches if you want to watch those. And I would probably if you've not watched the the Lucha Brothers Loretto Kid versus um, the Elite, um, you might want to try watching the AEW one because everybody says that was the the one that was far better than this one. Um, this one I think, like I said, I I, I think it it kind of didn't deliver as much as I I had hoped, and um, I was expecting it to be like at least. You know, I was expecting like, like something a lot better than I, than I, I don't know. I just kind of was expecting a little more out of them, but you know, overall I thought it was a good show. So July 19th, they actually had the Liger Farewell Show in Arena, Mexico. Farewell to Mexico in Arena, Mexico, um, which I actually thought was a a pretty good show. I actually thought this was a, I thought the best match on, you know, the only thing is like the, the, the Liger Farewell was overshadowed by, um, of course, L.A. Park, um, who was actually booked on the show. And you kind of knew he was going to overshadow Liger's Farewell. Although I think CML did a lot to make sure that Liger was, you know, Farewell was very, was well remembered. I thought the show itself was pretty good. Um, There were a couple of matches that I, I think kind of like, they had like moments where they were really good. Then they just kind of fell flat. Um, the the second match on the show was the the Angel de Oro Niebla Roja Sfinge beating a Chisero Efesto Luciferno match. I thought that was kind of like a flat finish, just because um, the way that the referee <laughs> the referee DQ'd a Chisero for kicking the ropes and fouling. Um, suppose you know that's a spot where you foul the guy, but usually the referee don't doesn't call a foul for that. And this time he did, and it made it made it even look even dumber because later on the show, I think it was done a couple of times later on, and they were there were no DQs or fouls or anything like that called in the match or, or nobody no it didn't determine the match, so that kind of like was something that was a little bit of a disappointment. Um, the Marcella versus Amapola um, title women's trip CML World Women's Title match, that match was really flat early on. It got better later in the match. I think the closing minutes of that match was were pretty good, but the rest of the match was very was was very average. I thought that was really, you know, at that point I was kind of wondering how, how what they would do as far as the rest of the show. But you know, the good thing is that um, Liger's farewell they were able to do enough where the 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 main event with Liger was going to be something everybody wanted to watch. And you know, the other thing was they booked LA Park, and then the 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 match that followed that. Um, that followed the the Marcelo Mapolo match was actually pretty good, um, as it had um, it was a relevos increíbles. It had the Nueva Generación Dinamita of Sanson, Cuatrero, Forastero, and they were teaming up with Volador Jr. to beat the girls Laguneros, Euphoria, Grand Guerrero, Templario, and 
um, Soberano Jr. I thought this was a really good match. There was a couple of rough moments early on. Um, as I recall, I think there were a few times where I think Templario missed a spot where he was going to do um, jump off the ropes and he slipped off of them. But um, and then there was a little bit of a there was a little bit of a they weren't in sync at certain points. The two the two trios um, the two um, Atomicos teams, especially the Laguneros. Um, Soberano Jr. mentioned it afterwards that he um, he kind of felt he got he he wasn't sure where to be with them because you know they're already like they pretty much already know what they're going to do so it kind of was it was a little bit more difficult for him to do that and it ended up being a little i think it started off a little bit weaker but then it picked up and got a lot better towards the end um really good match at the end um i would say the third fall was really what saved the match and made it went from being an okay match to being a pretty good match um, but it, even that was like you could that wasn't like I think at at that point you kind of just forgot about the the match because the next match was really what the show was really like just took over everything. L.A. Park, hijo de L.A. Park, and L.A. Park Jr. beat Rush, La Bestia del Ring, and Mystico. So you basically had the La Familia Real, um, the Park family against the Munozes. And the Munoz family, everybody was wondering where Dragon Lee was. I think Dragon Lee was proposing to, I think he was on vacation proposing to his girlfriend. And that's why he wasn't on this show. But this was really, really good. And I think everybody thought, and again, like I said about the Wagner Blue Demon Jr. match, more of a spectacle than anything else. Because you basically, you really had, I think you had two different matches. You really had Ali Park and Roosh just bringing it. The crowd really into that, and then you had everybody else in the match that nobody really cared about. Um, you, we did get the skinny man, the skinny wrestler um, showdown of Mystico and Hijo de Ali Park. Um, one of these days, Blue Demon Junior's son will be in this mix of the skinny luchadors battling out it out. I think the the best skinny luchadors match I've seen recently was um, in Oxnard, the Sin Limites. If you've never seen Sin Limite and Sin Limite Junior in from Los Angeles. From the Cal- from the Southern California area, um, they're two skinny guys. Do um, they're pretty good tag team, and um, they were in this bloodbath in um, Oxnard, and they actually bled. Uh, one one of the one of their girlfriends was in attendance, and she wore white um, pants, and when they were brawling with the the heel guy, guy the heels that they were working with, I don't remember who they were working with, but when they were brawling, they actually. Um, they they were bleeding and one of the guys actually went and they brawled next to the next to the girlfriend and the guy rubbed his um rubbed his masked face on her pants so when when it was over you had her her white pants were full full of blood um it was hilarious because there were she was taking pictures with them and that's probably my my favorite skinny luchador moment of all time and i hope one day mystico blue demon's son or Hijo de Ali Park can reach that level of being uh, in the great moments in skinny luchador history, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but like I said, Ali Park and Rush was awesome. I mean, basically, these other four guys were there just to make sure they had, because um, they did a couple of things where they were doing dives at each other. And um, I think Ali Park speared Rush onto everyone. So I think that's kind of like, I think that was their purpose in the match. Uh, really good. Uh, L.A. Park, after the match, kind of wanted the mic and wanted to, like, challenge Roosh, but they didn't give him the mic. I think he kind of forgot that this was kind of Liger's moment. <laughs> and um, 
it was funny because afterwards Park said he would have liked to have been in that match with um with Liger just because he would have given he would have made sure that Ali um, Liger would remember him forever in in because of a beatdown that he would have given him, uh, which was really funny for him to say. They did a um, ceremony for Jushin Thunder Liger. I think they brought in the ambassador for Japan in, in Mexico. And I don't know who the other guy was. And then Sofia Alonso was also there. And they gave him a plaque. And they, they, they just kind of like thanked him for his, for his, um, for his, for wrestling and his, what he's done for wrestling. Um, Liger had talked about how, you know, when he wanted to get into wrestling, you know, in Japan, he was so small that they didn't really want to give him an opportunity. And he came to Mexico and he got the opportunity thanks to Paco Alonso. And, you know, the, he came to the school and when he met Paco Alonso, Paco Alonso was so impressed that somebody somebody from Japan had come to Mexico to learn and train to be a wrestler that he actually let him come in and not even have to pay the fees, the school fees to train there and to learn. So he always felt appreciated. He always appreciated what Paco did and he thanked them afterwards. And he also talked about how Arena um, Mexico was his second home. Uh, but the match itself... If you don't remember the ma- the match, it had a bunch of rules that were announced. Um, CML had somehow invented the four way match um, for this for Jushin Thunder Liger's farewell. Um, basically, that Jushin Thunder Liger, who beat Nero Casas, Caristico, and Ultimo Guerrero in a match that they called the Relevo CML, Relevo CMLL, and CMLL sent out this graphic explaining every single rule that was in this match. Basically, I think they had like five or six rules to the match. And despite Caristico's claim that this was a four-way match or a four-corners match, Julio Cesar Rivera continued to deny that it wasn't, that it was very different. And when the match happened, they only followed one rule. And the first rule that they did follow was Liger was going to start the match and he would pick the first opponent in the match. And they followed that rule. But as soon as that rule, as soon as that mat, the bell rang and that the Liger and Casas wrestled for a bit, that the rest of the rules went out the window, and Ultimo Guerrero ran in because you couldn't run in in the match. Um, you had to tag in somebody at all times. I think I saw this rule also for a Smoky Mountain wrestling show that I just saw recently. Only the difference was they weren't really like stubborn about it. And you know, if um, the, a four-way match in 1992, um, it's it. If a promotion could get away with saying that that was the first four-way match or whatever they want to do back then because now it's like it's been done so many times i mean we're already advanced to the point where like in more than like six-way seven-way eight-way matches so you know four-way matches already been you know been done for so many years and what ended up happening was um was liger ended up beating casas uh, it actually ended up being a pretty good match too. I, I I don't I won't say anything like if you just went with the rules and thought they were stupid, but what ended up happening was it was still a pretty good match. It and they got Liger, you know, Liger got the win over Casas. You know, as much as Ultimo Guerrero and Caristico like being in the match with um uh, with with um, Liger, I don't think they were the, going to be the guys who were going to like do the 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 lose the match they were going to find a way to like not be the guys losing the match Casas has no problem doing that Caristico doesn't have a lot a problem doing it either um, but you know it ended up ending that way and everybody else you know after the match they celebrated they carried um, Liger up on their shoulders um, very nice uh, segment for um, 
for Liger, a good way for him to end his um his his career in Mexico. You know, obviously he wrestled a couple matches afterwards. I think he wrestled um S- Saturday in Arena Coliseo, and I think on Sunday I think he worked in Arena Lopez Mateos for their final matches there. And you know, afterwards, like I said, he's very appreciative of um of what he did, and he hopes to continue training. He talked about um that he was asked if he would consider ever like training in Mexico, like helping guys in Mexico. And he said he would very much hope that that could be a possibility. Um, I think that would be awesome if they could do that, you know, a couple seminars with him um, or just bringing him in as a, as an invited guest. Cause he did say he wants to come back and, and um, visit Mexico as a tourist. He has no intentions of wrestling at the moment. He's saying that um, I kind of believe Liger more than most wrestlers, as far as like sticking to the retirement thing. Um, I know a lot of guys were talking about it afterwards about how they were honored to be on the show. There were a couple of people who weren't on the show, like Dragon Lee, who said that he would have loved to have been on the show. And he hopes that he's in one of the farewell matches that he has in, in Japan or his farewell match in Japan. He's hoping he's in that match or in on that show at the very least. Um, but yeah, that that was the the, the July show. Uh, I think CMLL going forward is, um, I think we're starting to see a little bit of a, a little more of um, Sofia Alonso's influences on the in as far as um, what she want the direction she wants for CMLL. Because after that match, or actually during that match, uh, during that show, um, no, actually after that show, they kind of started talking about how they were going to do the the CMLL Universal Femenil. They hadn't announced that they would that was the name of the the tournament, but they were going to do a tournament where they were going to like showcase the women, and they brought in some new women or brought back brought back some familiar faces um they brought back with silhouette who had actually just quit like she didn't quit but she was she was she had gone independent in cmll and like what like one week later a couple days later she ends up being announced as returning and that was actually some one of the women that is now part of this tournament um the first block was already done and uh, metallica won that which was surprising because I don't think anybody expected Metallica to win. Um, the thing that Silhouette said was that Sofia Alonso actually was the one that directly invited her and asked her to come back to CMLL. I don't know if that means that she's going to get more of an opportunity, uh, what's going to happen beyond this with the women. Uh, they brought in three new women to the promotion. Uh, La Magnifica, who has actually been one of the better independent female wrestlers in Mexico. I, I saw her a few times years ago when she was in the she was in Triple A's Ken Pinta para la Corona tournament and she actually looked really good in those matches. She kind of reminded me of a young Marcella. Um, she's gone through a lot over the last couple of years. Her husband was um, I think he died in a an, I think the car ran um, car ran him over or something. I can't remember exactly the the story of how he died, but he did die a couple of years ago. And she's kind of been more of an independent. She has talked about coming. Uh, I think she might have worked a, a CMLL show recently, um, but you know, in Guadalajara or one of the shows that that or Puebla, one of those shows. And um, but now she's coming in. I don't know. I kind of. I'm kind of. At first, I kind of thought maybe it was just them coming in for a one shot deal. But the other person they brought they brought in two other people besides La Magnifica. They brought in Stephanie Va- Stephanie Vacker Vacker. And she's somebody from Chile, and she um, she's been wrestling a lot in Mexico, 
And for those who don't know who she is, Stephanie Vacher is also married to Ricky Marvin. So um, she does have a little bit more of a, she has more connections in Mexico. And she was actually wrestling for the Nacion Lucha Libre promotion that Alberto just started up. And I think she might have just, I think she might have just gone, decided to quit that group because I think she was booked in the August 4th show and she didn't, she ended up not being on that show. So I think she might be a regular now in CMLL. I'm not really sure, but I think that's what's the direction that they're going with. Um, and the third person they added was the returning La Infernal, who hasn't been in CMLL in 20 years. And the funniest thing is that I think she's only wrestled a few times in those 20 years. If you're not familiar with La Infernal, she is actually the the widow of Viano 3 and the mother of Hijo de Viano 3 and Viano 3 Jr. So um, she's now back. I think she's 43, 44 years old, 44, 45 years old, somewhere around that age. Um, and she's she was in the first block. And, you know, she's older so she's not as good and you know if 20 years not being in the not being in wrestling for 20 years i don't i i wasn't like expecting a lot out of her and she wasn't very good but she was already better than like la comandante tiffany you know some of those women um not that that's saying much but she probably fits in with them which is unfortunate because you don't really want to add more of those women and i really think if somebody talk to Sophia Alonso and if she really wanted to make this division a little stronger she really needs to like bring in a lot more impressive better younger women um not like the daughter of somebody or the the mother of somebody or the grandmother of somebody just because it it, it doesn't really help I mean Scotty being there it's not going to add anything um you know some of the older women that are still there at La Comandante I mean, she should pretty much just be like Terry Bliss second at this point. She's not very good in the ring. But, you know, that's what the, that's one of the concepts that they're doing. And there was um, the Observer mentioned that she wants, um, Sophia wants to meet with the Ring of Honor officials. So I think there's more of a, they're, they're trying to expand more. And if you watch what's going on with PWG Battle of Los Angeles, I think they're, I think you're really starting to see that CML is kind of opening up more to being more, more of a global promotion, like letting their guys work elsewhere. And um, that brings me to PWG's Battle of Los Angeles. Uh, they're going to actually have, they've already announced seven luchadors for that show. Um, Bandito, Phoenix, Taurus, Ray Horace, Loretto Kid. But they've also added CML guys, Barbaro Carvernario and Dragon Lee. That should be interesting. That should be, um, they still have two more spots left. So it's going to be interesting who else will be in this. Obviously, with Taurus and Loretto Kid and Phoenix being involved in um, in in AAA, I'm not sure how that's going to work out. I'm I have a feeling that because those guys will come up with the whole they're not under contract to AAA, they might actually be able to get away with it. Um, I'm not really 100% sure if that's how it's going to end up working out. I would hope that's what happens because there's been times where that's kind of been the case. Should be should be should be something that. I'm hoping that's something that happens just because why would you have all those guys on the show and not have at least some interaction with them? It'd be kind of, I would, I hope that does happen. Um, I think that's something else. Um, Sofia Alonso has to talk with um, ring of honor. They need to get Bandito um, some CMLL appearances. I mean, 
he's he's gonna work um a, a, an indie show in her in arena jalisco on sunday you can't tell me they can't get him on in arena mexico on a sunday if he's if he doesn't have that available i mean come on that kind of seems a little bit i don't know it seems kind of weird that they're not using that connection same thing I, I think they they i mean same thing with the crash guys i mean if that's something they should they should kind of be a little more um wanting those guys in cml because who the heck is picking Supernetico and all these guys to work these shows? They should be focusing on younger guys. Again, that's what I'm. I don't know what I don't know what's going on with them, but hopefully that gets resolved at some point. But this battle of Los Angeles looks like it's going to be really good. Um, I think there's two cavemen cavemen on this show too, so that's another thing that's really interesting. I think I'm probably going to try to get a tickets to that. Uh, at least one of those shows. I don't think I could go to all three just because that would pretty much um, kill my expenses for the remainder. <laughs> I don't, I need to have some money to go to other shows or like for for you know for the holidays buy gifts and stuff. So um, definitely at least one show. I'm I'm thinking I, I might want to go to one. Um, if not, you know, there's other PWG shows. There's plenty of shows to go to. That's about it for this week. Um, if you're if you if you want more news more updates, go to luchaworld.com. Also, check out the Patreon page, patreon.com slash luchaworld. I just posted um, Kurt and my uh, podcast with uh, on Paraguayo. I'm, like I said, I think I'm going to do a Paco Alonso, Sofia Alonso um, podcast, basically t- talking about Paco's career and then also talking about maybe the, you know, Paco's run as the boss of CMLL and kind of like what's going to, like what, so what to expect from Sofia Alonso or what could happen as far as Sofia Alonso taking over. I think a lot of people kind of underestimate women in charge of um, wrestling promotions because there really hasn't been a lot of women running wrestling promotions, but they've run some territories over the years, not just in Mexico, but in, in the United States as well. So, um, and also I think in Japan, there might have, I think ba- um, Baba's Widow ran it for a bit, but she did, you know, pass the baton over to like to Muda and a couple of other people to do it. But I think there's, there you know there's some possible i think i i don't i i think there's i think i'm not as negative as far as sofia taking over because she doesn't seem she seems bright and bright and doesn't seem like she's going to be totally in, in insane as far as what goes on in, in cml you know granted the programming department is probably going to do stuff that is really going to like be head scratching which is going to be the case no matter no matter what she does that's going to be involved but um that's what the podcast is going to be about i'm going to just talk about that stuff as well as paco lonzo's career um running cmll and also i have been i also posted a a boxy lucha uh, issue a write-up and i'm going to i'm doing one already right now covering 1981 um right before the paraguayo chris adams um title match when aguayo wins back the WWF Junior Light Heavyweight Title or whatever, whatever the title's called. That's going to be that. It also talks about um, Santo uh, training to be a an escape artist. So that's actually something I I I'm in. I'm really looking forward to putting up on the on Patreon. Um, there should be some more stuff being added to Patreon. Um, I have something else that I want to do for my other website concerning, of course, RetroWrestling.com. Um, I want to do something else with that. I kind of want to do something that isn't just, it doesn't keep everything like separate. You know what I mean? Because I think a lot of people when they do podcasts or do anything um, 
wrestling related they like to separate everything like they like to keep lucha in one area they like to keep the japanese wrestling in one area and then like like they like to just focus in wwf or wwe or whatever you want to call it over the years of course that's what i'm referring to or they like to like if it's a, a territory they stick to one territory don't talk about something else i kind of want to do something that's going to be a little bit different um it's going to be a podcast obviously but i want to do something a little different with that um that won't be coming up for a little bit but um, stay tuned to that. That's something that that I'm I, I, I've already been talking to a couple of people about it. Um, they seem interested in, in they like the idea of the concept behind it. Um, it should be interesting, uh, but that will probably be added on on the Patreon page. But like I said, um, check all, all that out. LuchaWorld.com, Patreon.com slash LuchaWorld. Um, thanks again, everyone, for listening. And we will talk to you guys again soon. <laughs>